Thank you, Mark. Jerry Jordan told me I had five minutes. <clears throat> and uh, I'm still waiting for inspiration what, what I'm going to talk about. So it's going to be somewhere between five minutes and... Um, Um, I, I forgot. Um, the the uh, Bible college uh, before uh, Sean. What's your name? John Carr. Yeah. So somewhere between five minutes and John Carr. And I made one mistake. I didn't bring my. Bifocals with me, so <clears throat> I have to take my glasses on and off as I read. So since Pastor McGovern got here, he's been preaching quite steadily on everything is about Jesus Christ. He's, between salvation messages, it's everything is Jesus Christ. And <clears throat> I think, he, he, you know, he's, he's, he's talked about it so much that it has had some impact on how I think about Things that if you think about everything is Jesus Christ, it's what about all the things that aren't Jesus Christ that I have in my life? And uh, so <clears throat> I've been altering how I look at things, including um, biblical things and, and uh, how, how I pro- approached uh, things. Um, So it, it's clear if you watch if you watch news that the world is far from having Jesus Christ involved in it at all. I haven't watched news since November the fourth last year. That's the day I came down with COVID. That was the day after the election. And as I was watching the last of my news, it was clear the election was not going in the direction that I wanted. So I've not watched. The news, and I've not listened to conservative talk radio because there's nothing about Jesus Christ in any of those. So all they were doing was making me upset and, uh, I guess, angry. So I've been using this. Everything's about Jesus Christ in everything I look at. It's been important to me for all the time I've been associated with this church that... um, to advocate to everyone, young and old, to uh, seek after knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. When I, I told everybody before that when I turned 50, I figured, okay, I'm at an age I should be wise. And so I began purposely studying all the wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Psalms, and, and all of that. Um, and I think I've learned a thing or two in that time, and the thing that I realize it's important to encourage people to gain as much knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that God's Word has got to offer to each of us. And so most of the messages I've brought here have had to do with that. And so I'm going to continue with that, not not quite in the same vein that I have in the past. And recently... I realized that the importance to purposely, for purposeful instruction of our children in 
the Word of God and the knowledge of Jesus. When I was young, I knew nothing at all about Jesus. I knew a whole lot more about Santa Claus than I did about Jesus. Even, you know, until I was, you know, well beyond, you know, being an adult. I still didn't know much about Jesus. And uh, the world is not going to give you any knowledge of Jesus outside of you got to study this book. Um, recently, Pastor brought up the you got to know the what before you get your where, and uh, and thought about that a lot. And so between it's all about Jesus, and you got to study the what before you find out where God's will place you to, to uh, do his will. So, Deuteronomy eleven eighteen and 19 tell us early in the Bible, Therefore shall ye lay up my, these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be frontless before your eyes, and that you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them. When you sittest in thine home, house, and when they walk us by their way, when they lie us down, and when they rise us up. So God's telling us early, teach the Bible to your family. Make it a part of every day and all aspects of your life. And, uh, and, and that's um, what my, what my uh, consideration is tonight, is to try to encourage you to seriously and purposely make teaching the Word of God and everything to your family, to young people, and to get them to understand the things that God has early enough in life so that they're bathed in spiritual things rather than Based in the things of the world. Like I said, I knew more about Santa Claus than I did Jesus Christ when I was young. And we've got to get over that in order to have, for us to have a good impact on this world. Now, this church has been very good at um, being a light to this community and to teaching, teaching children and, and uh, getting the Word of God out. But we need to be even more, um, I guess, aggressive in, in doing this because it, it's hard to see very far outside of this church where um, the light um, of, of God is, is shining at all. When I, when I was young, I remember the song, I'm going to let, or yeah, I'm going to let my, or I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. I didn't have a clue what that was really about. Um, it took until I was much older before I realized that um, we do have, those who are saved do have a light that they need to let shine. And you have to be purposeful and aggressive in, in, in getting that light out. Now, last year, on the occasion of my 80th birthday, my message was another one in a long series of messages on knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. 
the emphasis was on encouraged to actually incorporate this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding into your lives and the lives of your children and make them a real part of your, of your being and your existence. The year before, my message was to encourage to make choices that allow one to avoid regrets. Because I found that when you reach advanced years, you find you have much to regret. You regret the things you chose to do wrong, and you'll regret the things you chose the that you did not choose to do right. And uh, Roy and I were having conversation about this down there at the, the wisdom chairs down down by the door. And uh, and a lot of people say they have no regrets. Anybody who gets older and has no regrets is still enjoying their sin. But anybody who's been saved and, and trying to live right I will assure you, have much, probably have many things that they regret and wish they had not done. In 2018, my message used the tomorrow's soliloquy from Macbeth and a little from Henry David Thoreau with comparison to Solomon's presentation in Ecclesiastes. The all three described the fruitlessness of, of life on this earth. The only thing is, Solomon's presentation did provide hope. Nothing else that man writes provides any hope at all. All the literature that, that men write, um, you know, whatever hope there is, there's, there's, not, there's nothing solid to it. But Solomon did point to hope in, in the person of God who is and who provides the only hope for man for man upon this earth. My emphasis there was to encourage everyone to become well-read in the Bible before launching into the Harvard Classics or, the, or Dr. Eliot's five-foot shelf of books, which was was a set of books that um, you could buy through Encyclopedia Britannica back in 1959. And it was a five-foot shelf of books of classical literature. Um, this message also focused on knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And as I said earlier, recently Pastor explained that what we need to be prepared with the what, the word, the word of God, um, before He will place us where He wants. Learning the what is our responsibility, and what we, where we are to serve God is His to take care of. But it's up to us to take care of the what. Now, every once in a while. God will move us to a different where to help us learn some more of the what that he wants us to have. He did it with Moses, putting 40 years in the desert to forget all that Pharaoh stuff. And so he could find the burning bush and, and find the call of God. In the course of learning the word of God, we must also avoid communicating, as the world does with common phrases, that the world uses which are contrary to truth. For instance, I've quit referring to Mother Nature. It just seems uh, inappropriate because Mother Nature's got nothing to do with anything. It's God's creation that we have, whether you're talking about tornadoes or winds or sunshine or or those tall things with leaves with bark in the front yard. Um, thank you. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, Mother Nature is, and and some refer, some people refer to the man upstairs and other things. It's God or Jesus or whatever it is. He, he has a name. He's described in the Bible, and, and is no point in. The other thing, I don't, I don't wish anybody good luck, bad luck, or anything. I don't wish them luck, because um, um, I use Merry Christmas and not Happy Holidays. Pastor mentioned that earlier, and, and I'm clear that the universe is created, and it's not the result of Big Bang, and, and we're here not because of evolution. So there's lots of things in our lives that we need to. I guess think about what we say because the colloquial expressions are wrong. They're not biblical at all. And, and when we bypass the biblical uh, truth, um, we're not being the light that we should be. We're not helping uh, direct people to, to truth. So, in the process of teaching our children God's Word, I would suggest that we make sure that they understand certain things. I like Greg. I don't remember really being told I was loved when I was young. I didn't have a clue what love was, other than what you see in the movies, that, you know, whatever love was there. But I think it's important if we're teaching love in the Bible, I think it's important for our children to understand what we mean by when we say, I love you. That they understand that I'm willing to sacrifice to protect you, to give you what you need. Um, in, instead of it being some feeling or some attraction. Uh, and that you have open conversation about what these things are. So I think love needs to be discussed with the young people so they understand it as they grow older, so that when they hit their teenage years, um, the confusion of teenage years, uh, they've got a little more to work with. Faith is another thing that young people need to, need to understand um, again, I had no knowledge what faith was. Faith is, you know, a lot of people, you know, they wish for things. And so that's what their faith is in, is the wish. They wish upon a star or wish upon something. But, um, but you know, faith, faith is something. And hope, hope again is, uh, most people think you wish for something, and that's the same as hope. Um, but we have a sure hope if we're saved. That, and, and children need to understand the difference between the hope that we we have in Jesus Christ. I grew up without prayer, and it's the thing that I think. Um, we need to teach the children, or children to, to pray, and it's a thing. I didn't have any experience with, with prayer. I think you need to pray in front of your children for every thing you're going to do ahead of time, not 
after the tire came off the vehicle, but um, before you started on the trip, right? It, uh, the story wouldn't have been as good if you had prayed first and the tire didn't come off. So, but prayer is something that needs to be a real part of your children's lives um, so they can see it in action. Um, I know that Pastor Roach had stories of his children praying for things, $20,000 or whatever else it was, and having things come true. And if you do this with your children, um, they'll start asking, you know, hopefully they would be asking God for whatever they, they need to get them through the day or, or help in making decisions. And instead of waiting until you're um, in the depths of a problem and then pray for help me get out of this. And it's a lot harder to get out of things than it is to have avoided getting into it. Another thing that young people need to understand is forgiveness. I think growing up, everything was an eye for an eye. I got fights all the time in school. Just somebody wronged me or I wronged somebody and it was a fight. I fought one kid at least once a month for five years. Um, we, we just didn't see eye to eye on much of anything. Um, so, but forgiveness is something that does not come to young people easily. They, my sister and I fought all the time. I don't think we ever forgave each other for anything that um, any either of us did to the other. So I think it's important to decide to teach your children and to teach yourselves how about these things of love and faith and hope and prayer and forgiveness. And the other thing that is about the heart. The Bible talks a lot about the heart. And the heart's not just the thing that's in your body pumping blood around. The heart is... Um, the Bible has lots to, to talk about the heart, that we're to keep the heart with all diligence for out of it or all the issues of life. Um, as near as I can tell, the heart must be where the soul, spirit, and body come together or something because the Holy Spirit resides in your heart once you let the Holy Spirit in when you accept Jesus as your Savior. But we need to teach um, people about what the heart is and, and how you go about protecting it. Because um, when, you know, if you go through, if you grow up without these things being uh, understood in your life, um, you can make a lot of wrong decisions before um, before you're you know before you're saved or, or you may not see the need for being saved if you if you don't have an understanding of how these things fit in your life. Make sure that your children know truth. Um, 
you know, trained to, you know, it's not, it's not good to lie, but I didn't, didn't develop any understanding of what truth is all about. Most of what I read when I was young was fiction. There's nothing true about fiction. It's, it's a, a tale. The, the truth in this life is in this book. And uh, so, somewhere along the line, we, we've got to develop an appreciation for truth. Um, or, we, you know, we'll be led astray. So hope is not a wish, and forgiveness is not vengeance, and, and love is not just an attraction. So we need to have that. The other thing is, I don't ever remember having a meaningful, deep conversation with anybody in my family about anything of the, the issues of life. And as a result, at, at my age, I'm still pretty closed on, you know, I'm uh, not expressive about things because I never really learned to have deep discussions on things. I do remember in the eighth grade when we learned about infinity and the, the expansiveness of the universe. The boys in the eighth grade class, we, we got together and we were having conversation about just how immense things were. The thing that was not part of our conversation was nothing about God in that conversation. And since God was the creator of the universe and infinity, we should have had that as part of our conversation. But it was just a meaningless conversation about um, that. And there was nobody around to give us any, any other guidance. So I, I strongly encourage teach your children to have conversations. I, to, to be conversationalists, to talk about things so that they're comfortable discussing uh, deep, deep issues and so that they do, do have some opportunity to talk about the things that are important in life and how you make decisions. God has provided us with some choices. In Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20, it says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land. Whither thou pass this over Jordan to go possess it, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest 
cleave unto him, for he is thy life in the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So God has given us the choice between life and good and death and evil. Um, and, it, and, you know, we should choose... God wants us to choose life and to choose good. Moses, in Psalm 90, verse 9, um, says, in the last part of that, so teach us the number of days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And I've discussed, you know, in the past, that this verse, the number of days, means we need to take account of every single day that we live to, to see if we have done all that we should do in each of the days so we can be aware of have I done, have I served the Lord well today? Have I, have I done good? Have I done evil? And so I think it's important that each day and, and to teach your children to account for each day to see. It's not a checklist thing, but you need you need to be aware of, have I made the most of each day that I live? When we set our ambitions for life, we need to do this with the desire to do God's will and not just strive to do things that are driven by our fleshly drives. Pastors talked about goals and ambition and stuff in the past and the goal if if you set goals that are too lofty like I want to be the best doctor the best surgeon the best athlete the best of of whatever you're going to miss doing what God wants you to do you'll miss the will of God if you're picking goals so we, in our in our setting of goals or to to make have an ambition, we should strive to find God's will and to and to do what God's will for our life is. In um, In Psalm 24, 3 through 5, it says, Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in the holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Yeah, I ran across this verse some time ago, and it meant a lot to me. To me, this is... A desirable goal is to have to to be um, allowed to ascend into the hill of the Lord to have clean hands and a pure heart. And clean hands means you've not not done wrong, you've not um, gone against God's will or against others, and that your heart is. Um, is pure and uh, 
Um, to me, this is this is an admirable ambition to to live that way. You, then you're able to be useful in God's life. Um, and in Philippians four eight, in order to achieve this ability to have a pure heart and clean hands. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good respect, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I've used this before. Is The thing, you know, learn the Bible. Stick to the things that are honest, just, and pure, and avoid um, the uh, the things of the world that have nothing to do with God. And remember that everything's about Jesus Christ, and there's nothing else in this world or in life that matters that much. But in order in order to be able to um, achieve this this ability to see everything with Jesus Christ in it, we have to we have to prepare ourselves and avoid staining ourselves or overburdening ourselves with the things of this world. Um, at my age, I've loaded myself up with all kinds of stuff from this world that I'm still trying to get rid of. As I've mentioned before, Pastor Roach said one time that he was envious of me. And I said, of what? And he says, of the college that you've done. And I told him, I'm still trying to get rid of most of the stuff that I learned from that. I envy you because of what you've got with, with the Lord. He went from, whatever, mercenary to missionary in step. I spent most of my life learning all this garbage. And he went right to Tennessee Temple and, and learned the right stuff and avoided learning all of the stuff that I should never have put in my mind and, I, and the things I should never have done. So my encouragement is make an effort to uh, learn the things that you need to help Jesus be everything in your life and do everything you can to teach your children and to help others to understand this as well. That's all I got. Amen. Certainly is true. He is what it's all about. There's a whole lot of wisdom in those words that you're listening to a man 81 years here on this earth right now. He, he is absolutely what it's all about, and you have choices you're going to make along those lines. It's a matter of making those choices, having that yielded life that you're not in that place he talked about of having that regret. Having that regret. What have I done? With heads bowed and eyes closed, we'll go into a time of invitation.